It's the Locked On Flyers podcast for Friday, October 27th. Your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that thinks the Flyers did kind of what we asked them to do after the Vegas game, Russ. Yeah, yeah, no question. All right, we'll get into how they stopped that wild comeback, the defensive changes to the team, plus preview the weekend matchup against the Anaheim Ducks, all on today's show. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, and thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on the app formerly known as Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with Russ Cohen, who's on all your favorite social media apps at Sportsology. And we as a show are on Instagram, threads, blue sky at Locked On Flyers as well. Today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use the promo code Locked On NHL to get up to $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. You can subscribe or follow us for free over on YouTube or on the SiriusXM app. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, subscribe to get our latest episode as soon as it's available here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, Russ, we're going to get into that 6-2 win over the Minnesota Wilds. So much good to talk about there relative to the previous game. Uh, do want to first address the blue line changes to the team and We suggested on yesterday's show when we talked about the Flyers and their ability to make adjustments that the blue line could potentially have some changes there. And we thought that there was a distinct possibility that Emil Andre would be sent down to the Phantoms as part of it. Uh, just because, you know, he was kind of having a little bit of trouble at the NHL. There's no problem with that. It was fine to send him down. I, I had no issue with that. Yeah, I, I didn't either. I think that there was a little bit of struggling happening. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the other half of the equation is where we differed a lot. We talked about Ronnie Adderd and uh, Adam Jinning, and we both kind of settled on the fact that we thought Jinning was yeah. potentially the right call-up to make if they were going to make a call-up here, simply because he's been playing pretty well and he matches the style of Mark Stahl most closely mm-hmm. uh, in terms of need on the blue line. Flyers went in a different direction and called up Louis Belpedio and Victor Mente. Yeah, I mean, they called up guys that aren't future guys for them. They're not going to be future guys. Uh, the way that they tried to tell us that like nobody's doing well enough in Lehigh to deserve the call-up, I, I scoffed at that. We know Yenning's playing really well. Like I just, yeah. you know, we, we, we watch the Phantoms. We talk about their site, you know, we do their segments. We know that he's playing well. I get it. A lot of people don't watch, so they don't know, but you know, we could tell you handily that he's, he's having a good season. He is. Yeah. And you know, I've watched every single Phantoms game. You've watched more than I have. I haven't watched full. Yeah. Years, so far this season. And I can understand not calling up Ronnie Adderd. Um, I think that he's gotten into a little bit of penalty trouble, uh, mm-hmm. as we've talked about, and just had, you know, a few mistakes, a little bit of hesitation. And that's mm-hmm. been like a running issue with him. That's the stuff he needs to work on. 
Uh, but I, I really think Jinning has the confidence and, you know, his experience is so much different yeah. than than Ronnie Adderd. And I just feel like he has, you know, the ability to have his play up level at the mm-hmm. NHL level. And I think he would have been absolutely fine. There's nothing inherently wrong with Louis Belpedio and Victor Mate. Um, I think that they're just solid AHL defensemen right. and I think it's just find over time that there's little things missing with them and they're just kind of like plug gonna be plugged in there that's all yeah and there's a ceiling on their games that that's- that maybe you know Adderd and Jenning haven't reached their ceiling well there's yet. no doubt they haven't reached theirs yeah no question yeah so I really think that is the big difference for me is that I really think Jenning was the right call up here uh nonetheless uh Belpedio did get into the game against the Minnesota Wild. Uh, Mete did not. Um, there, there was an interesting discussion about really whose decision all of this is. And well, that, who was having this discussion? I want to know. Well, you know, there, were, there was internet discussion about yeah, the topic, okay. um, about what the process is. And, you know, our understanding of the process is that Tortorella is involved but uh, Ian LaPerriere makes the recommendations and the front office has sure. to say. And, and Torts has said over and over again that, you know, the front office is the one who makes these decisions and he and then he it's can set the lineup. It's not really true. He it's makes not. the final decision because we've seen that if they send up certain people and he doesn't he want doesn't to play, play them, he's not going to play them. Yeah. So I get it. I, I think what people are talking about is what some other organizations do. But when you have John Tortorella there, he is making that final decision. Trust me. Now, he, you know, with other organizations, yes, he did listen to the AHL coach for sure. And yes, the front office has input. But again, he's going to play who he wants. Right. And so the front office is going to pick somebody who Torts is going to play. I they, mean, I think, think he's going to play. It, yes. You know, there, it's a two way street here. I think, yeah. you know, they know Torts and. Um, they also are are just going to go with guys that they know that Torts is going to have confidence in, and, and he's a veteran kind of guy. Right. To say that, don't direct it at him because it's not his decision. Stop. Stop. Because yeah. he's going to decide who plays in these games or not, how many minutes they have. He's going to decide all of that. Absolutely. Uh, so that is where we wound up uh, at the earlier in the day than I would have liked news to well, come Well, Morgan but... Frost is not, still not playing, too. Right. Have... I'm just saying in terms of the blue line. So no, I, know. I know. That is the next conversation, is that Morgan Frost is still not playing. Uh, I think that, I do think it was a, a mistake. Despite the outcome of this game, I still think it's a mistake. We have to get him in there. If he's not in against the Ducks, like, this is going to be a problem. I think it's already a problem in the sense that I think we could all see that he's probably going to get offered up to for a trade at some point because this is, you know, if the coach has no use for him, he's not going to play him. We've seen this happen with John in other situations with other coaches, and usually that player gets traded. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of trades, uh, likely will not happen for Shane Pinto if he's suspended for 41 games, right? Yeah, that, that whole thing, I, I wish there was more transparency. I. I don't understand why he's suspended for 41 games. Nobody seems to understand, really. Yeah, because the betting was not on hockey. So, right. like, what are we talking about here? Like, right. let us know so we can gauge whether or not this seems appropriate. Again, 
from very skilled people in this industry to fans and otherwise, nobody has a clue. So, all right, I mean, I get it. If you don't want transparency, that's fine. But people are going to keep digging at this and they're going to keep guessing at this for a long time. And they're going to bug Shane Pinto the minute he's back, too, because we don't know. Absolutely. Uh, I do want to get to our sort of main point about this game against the Wild uh, before we uh, then talk about the details in the next segment, because the biggest issue we talked about in, you know, the Dallas game and the Vegas game was them playing back on their heels and not being able to withstand a surge from an opposing team. And this was how you handle that. There was a surge. Mm -hmm. The wild got back within one, but then Mm -hmm. they put the flyers, put it away and they, they tampered down whatever the wild were doing. They were, you know, intercepting passes. They were making plays and really pushing offensively themselves instead of just playing defense. And that was exactly what we wanted to see. Yeah, agreed. Um, you know, I it was weird. The Wild, like for the first two periods, I just couldn't understand how they couldn't create anything. And the Flyers did a really good job. But then the third period, all of a sudden, like the Wild kind of like were like really pressing, got a lot of shots in a short amount of time. Yep. And definitely had heart moving. And that's when I felt like, okay, now the defense is a little tired, but they got a second win. And when they did, you know, they put them away. So yeah, I do give him credit for overcoming that. Yeah, and, and that's absolutely huge. And I think that once you get a feel for how to do that in a game and how it feels to do that in a game, you can do it again. It's a repeatable thing. And I think that yeah. that's something that they learned in this game and hopefully they can repeat. Yeah, I mean, that's the hope. I mean, you know, I think they can, um, you know, against a team like Anaheim, they certainly should be able to. All right, exactly. We'll talk more about Anaheim later in the show. Uh, and we're going to talk about the Flyers' power play in a good way, if you can believe it. Yeah. Uh, we, we will do that and talk about uh, first goals and all of that coming up next. As a business owner, you realize there are times when receivables might fall behind, but that doesn't mean you need to fall behind on vendor payments, payroll, or rent. For more than 25 years, Parkview Advance has helped businesses secure working capital from 5,000 to 1.5 million. Parkview Advance can approve your working capital in as little as 24 hours. It's a much easier process than you might imagine. We invite the many entrepreneurs that are locked on NHL fans to learn more by calling us at 203-675-0071 or go to the parkviewadvance.com if your business needs working capital, call Parkview Advance today. Parkview Advance, helping businesses with their working capital. Go to parkviewadvance.com. Of course, next week we will be talking about the results of the game against the Ducks. Plus, we'll get into a very busy week for the Flyers uh, against Carolina and Buffalo in a home and home and the Kings. So lots to talk about then. In the meantime, continuing our discussion on the Flyers win over Minnesota, Flyers power play was two for three in this one and long overdue success there, right? 
Yeah, this is the way they should look more often. It's puzzling why they don't, but this was better. Like, it was more balanced. There were some good shots. You know, the goal by Couturier was especially good. So, yeah, that was something where it was like, okay, we knew you could do it. Now see if you can do it again. Especially, to your point, the Couturier goal. I thought that play was really good. Yeah. Um, and then it was just like a really heads up play by Bobby Brink to to see that puck and be able to get it five hole. I think that yeah. um, it, it was a great play. Yeah, on good him. reflexes there, way he jumped on it, no question. Yeah, so it was good to see that success on the power play. Not only did Bobby Brink score his first goal in the NHL, he scored his second goal in the NHL as well. Man, they were trying so hard to get him that hat trick. They were. I mean, that second one was all Joel Farabee, though. We're starting to yeah. see like the Joel Farabee from two years ago. And so I think, you know, Torts is right in the sense that there's some magic there, but there's a lot of magic in, in Farabee at the moment. Like, this is the best he's played in a long time. Absolutely. I think so as well. Yeah, that Farabee-Cades-Brink line um, not only do they have some really good touches offensively, and I think they're clicking, uh, but they were up against the wild top line for a good portion of this game until yeah, the wild shuffled them. Yeah, until the wild shuffled their lines a little bit. Right. That was kind of the matchup, and I just thought they w- were really well structured and were able to like get between passes and and steal the puck. And I just thought they played great. You know, the full ice. Yeah, no question. I mean, you know, early on, though, the Flyers did get a break when Hartman kind of missed an open net there. He sure. Hart was beat for sure. So but I think, you know, as the game went on, they did handle him well. But that, there was a point early, like you kind of wonder if Hartman would have scored what that might have done to the game. But he didn't. So I give him credit. They definitely, you know, by the third period, Kaprizov was was frustrated. I, I think so. And I think that the floodgates were obviously open for the Flyers on this one, but to get not only Bobby Brink his first goal in the NHL and of the season, but to get Owen Tippett on the scoreboard, to get Travis Sanheim on the scoreboard, that is so important. Yeah, all those things are good. Yeah, I mean, Tippett, you know, it's it's easy to see why he scored that goal because he didn't have time to think about it. When he has time to think about it, sometimes he misses the net. With no time to think about it, he scores like that. And so that was a, a really great play. And yeah, the um, Sandheim goal was nice too. So we'll see. I mean, again, you see if that gets those guys started. You know, Lawton still has to score. There's other guys that still have to score. Right. I know. We said uh, pregame that we really wanted to get Couturier on the board. And then I threw in Lawton for good measure. Right. We did get Couturier on the board. Um, and he had a goal and an assist in the game as well. I thought he had a pretty solid game there, too. Um, I, I think that especially on the power play. Yeah. Cam Atkins had a big game, too. So, yeah, it's, yeah. you know, look, they're a better team with those guys in there. There's no doubt. Um, I'm still cautioning people not to listen to the hype on ESPN. Like, Hey, you know, we think they might be ahead of schedule. It's very early in the season. We, you, you got to wait for a while, see what they're doing after 25, 30 games before you want to say that ESPN can say whatever they want. I'm just saying fans should, you know, be happy with the play, watch your team, be happy, but just know that, Hey, you know, you got to see what yeah. happens. I think that, you know, it's good to be cautiously optimistic at times. Um, But I do think that this team is a hell of a lot more fun than last year's team was. No question. Yeah. I mean, for as long as 
Atkinson and Couturier are playing, they're going to be a lot more fun. I mean, that, you know, that's a lot more talent. So that's, you know, the hope. And maybe by half, half season, if both those guys are still in there, I'm going to feel like they can play the whole season. But until then, I'm still going to be cautiously optimistic with them as well. Yeah. And to your point about Cam Atkinson, um, just a, a tremendous game from him. Yeah, he's come out of the um, gate really good this season. Yeah. And especially that play on the tippet goal uh, yep. was was phenomenal. So bummed about that shot off the post for yeah. him uh, later yeah. in the game. But, you know, three assists in this game, like that's a huge contribution. It is. But that shot off the goal was proving something that I had said pre-show, like Philip Gustafson, I don't think is the number one. He was not seeing shots from far away. That Konechny goal was a decent goal, but like, you know, far side over the shoulder where the glove is. And he sort of, he, he, know, I mean, he, he moved downward on that shot. So it made me think he didn't really have a great view of that shot. And then, like you said, the post, that was, you know, he you know, basically just crossed the blue line and let that shot fly and it almost went in. So I just felt like Gustafson was kind of shaky. He's four, 22 goals in his last four games. Yeah, that's not good. Um, no, it's I, not. Yeah, I think the Wild um, have a lot to talk about in meetings. They already said Flurry's going next game. Like, they already said that. Yeah. But, yeah, they're going to have to be watching a lot of video, um, as will the Flyers, because there's always something to take away from these games. Uh, I, I think... The other things we talked about after the road trip is looking at shot distribution and getting those second chances. And I think they did get some of the second chances uh, that they needed to. I think, you know, Couturier's goal. Yeah. I felt like they got a few more. I don't think it was enough, but I did feel like they got a few more. Yeah, I think uh, they, they definitely improved over the last, you know, couple of games. Yes. on that front and i think that this the shot distribution was pretty solid as well i would say obviously more so uh five on five uh but i i think that you know they they were shooting from all areas of the net um they did get a lot more net front opportunities than they did yeah, in the last sure. couple of games and i yeah. think that's you know part of that is the minnesota wild and their quality of defense and their structure versus you know the, the last two teams the flyers played but you know you got to take advantage of that and they did and that's all you can ask for they have two key defensemen out and and one of their better forwards so it was a time where they needed to take advantage and they did that's another thing you love to see as well and you know you look at where they scored the goals from as well. And so, you know, they had two of them immediately net front, one a little bit outside the crease. And then, yeah, and then two in the slot and one from way outside. So I I think that that's really good. And they could have gotten one, like I said, from way, way downtown. But it didn't go. But yeah, and, you know, and the tippet one was close in in close. So yeah, it is what you want. No question about it. So I'm um, I'm pretty pleased with this game, and and now it's time for the Flyers to really turn this example of them playing well into a habit. And that mm-hmm. you know they always talk about that with individuals. You know you do things repeatedly enough, and it for 21 days they said, and it becomes a habit. And so I really think that's something the Flyers have to do now is just take all the best practices from this game 
and turn them into habits, no matter who they play and not play to the level of the competition. Yeah, I think that's that's right. I mean, that's but again, sometimes easier said than done. Hockey's a weird game. Like you never know why a team's going to be so high like they were for this one and maybe have a letdown and, you know, in the next game or two. It's just sometimes these things are inexplicable. Go ask Phillies fans. Uh, yeah, I was a little doubtful at the beginning of this game with that fight immediately after Puck yeah, got, but, but it yeah. turned out so much better and different than I expected based yeah. on the beginning. Yeah, the only thing is, and this is, again, I can't really, you know, say too much of, about usage when they win, but they are trying to force the fourth line in too much. They're, they have no points, and if you want to change momentum, that's fine, but the statement that they want to get them in even more, like how much more than eight minutes do you really want to play this line? Like, be careful. Yeah, and Hathaway's skirting on the edge of penalties again as well. So got to keep an eye on that for sure. But we do have another team to play this weekend. That is the Anaheim Ducks, who just won an overtime game against the Boston Bruins. And we are going to... Yeah, so we are going to talk about them coming up next. You know that feeling when your favorite Flyers player scores a hat trick or a brace like Bobby Brink? If you want to get that feeling and win 100 times your money, play Daily Fantasy Hockey on the Sleeper app. As the official Daily Fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network, Sleeper is our top choice for daily fantasy sports, especially daily fantasy hockey. With Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey contests. You can also play daily fantasy NFL, NBA, MLB, and college football on Sleeper, and entries can be made in under a minute with elite players like Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, and Austin Matthews. Plus, new guys like Connor Bedard, all you need to do is make more or less picks on stats for these stars. You can choose from stats like goals, assists, saves, plus, minus, and more. To win a 100 times bet on Sleeper, you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight player stats. You heard me, Flyers fans. You can win a 100 times your money by playing daily fantasy hockey with Sleeper. So start paying attention and nail your picks so you can win big. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code LOCKEDONNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability. All right. So like I said, the Anaheim Ducks just beat the Boston Bruins in overtime four to three last night. The Ducks forced overtime in this one, uh, scoring twice in the last two minutes of the game. The Bruins had been up three to one. Uh, Leo Carlson scored in this one. Radko, yeah, uh, Radko Gudis scored in this one as well. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, our old friend there. And uh, I, I think that you know it's interesting because Anaheim is a rebuilding team as well, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's hard to really, I think, compare the Flyers and the Ducks uh, at all just because of the nature of kind of the talent that they've been able to draft that are already playing for the team versus kind of the Flyers are a year to two to maybe three years away from getting that high-end talent on the main roster. Yeah, for every, you know, Mintukov they have and and Carlson and Zegris, which is the future, the Flyers have some of their, 
you know, aging guys that are way better than anybody Anaheim's got, like Konechny and Couturier and Atkinson. So it's different. It's a different kind of rebuild, you know? And yeah. so, yeah, I do see the difference for sure. I think the Ducks last year were just an utter train wreck, you know, yes. despite having Trevor Zegras, um, you know, Troy Terry is was basically it on mm-hmm. that team other than Zegras. Uh, but, you know, they were going to take a step forward this year. They may not, you know, get above, you know, sixth in the division to be generous, but I think that they are going to move up a little bit. And I think one of the most interesting things about the Ducks right now is how they're managing Leo Carlson and that they're trying to, um, because he's young, ease him into the NHL with the more robust schedule by having a usage load management system for him. So he will have scheduled games off over the course of, you know, the first several months of the season, um, he'll play in the majority of games, but not all of them just to manage his ice time and his fitness and his readiness. And, um, you know, as a prospect guy, how do you feel about that? I'm okay with it. If they actually do that, I don't think he's going to play the majority. I think what they're going to do is keep him under the 40 game mark, like they did Zegras. So mm-hmm. he doesn't get closer to free agency on the other end and they're going to space it out. So what they're going to do is they're not going to play him a ton uh, at the very beginning, they'll make sure he goes to World Junior Camp and then they, they lose him for a month and a half there. Um, when he comes back, they could give him a condition extent if they want or put him back with the team. But I think after, like, you know, he hits the 40 game mark or, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if he hits that. I don't know if he's going to hit that. And so I'm skeptical. But on the surface, you know, I can't be mad that they want to have him ease into it. That's fine. But we also have to remember. He's played in a men's league, so yep. it's different than than Fantilli. He's already played professionally. I'm 50-50 as to as if he really needs it, but I'm okay with being careful. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Uh, I think that it's just an interesting strategy. And, uh, you know, given where the Ducks are in their rebuild, I think they have the luxury of doing this, whereas some other do, teams Just don't not. pretend that you're doing it that way if it really becomes a financial thing in the end, which it could. Because that's how it was with Zegras, you know. So let's see if it becomes a financial thing or if this is really it and he's going to play 60 games. If he plays 60 games, I applaud him. I say, yes, you did it right. You know, if he plays 39, I'm going to be like, "Mm, okay. I'm not sure we're going to see Carlson uh, against the Flyers. It seems like a game they might sit him for because they want him in for maybe games that um are, are a little bit tighter competition but Plus with, the, with the flying and the early start i could see him missing it yeah yeah so um given that you know troy terry and trevor zegras are the other components of that top line they have beyond that though it, it's uh you know mason mctavish is solid um, oh, mctavish but- is really good um yeah you know, he- he could do well. I mean, look, Ryan Strom was played against the Flyers a lot. Like he's he's got yeah. a lot of experience against the Flyers. But yeah, this is you look at this lineup and you say this is a game the Flyers should win. But yeah. Anaheim does have a lot of speed and youthful exuberance too with you know those young guys, and they have a good goaltending tandem with with Dostal and and uh, Gibson. So you know I don't know who's going to be in. Probably will be Gibson because Dostal just played the other day. So yeah, I mean. It's a game they should win, though. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and that's the thing I think for the Flyers here is to keep this momentum going, like we just mm-hmm. talked about, and make this a repeating pattern and, you know, not get sucked into a different style of play than they're used to because they're facing a team that's a lot different from them. Yeah, they've got a lot of speed on the blue line now. Offensive ability with Fowler. Jackson Lacombe's really good. Like yeah. I mentioned, Mintukov. You know, then you got guys like Labushkin that are good at blocking shots and Gudis, who's, you know, all around tough. And we'll we know about guys. him. Yeah. So so they have a mix, you know, and so it's not a terrible blue line for them. No, not at all. And again, like you said, the the goaltending is pretty solid as well. So it's not going to be an easy game for the Flyers, but it's definitely a game they should win. And uh, hopefully we will get that win over the weekend. We will be back on Monday to talk about that game as well. Plus, it'll be Monday, so we'll have our nemesis of the week. Uh, It is a busy week for the Flyers, so lots of things to choose from uh, for the nemesis. And we're going to have an interactive poll, right? Hmm. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. So if you've got mailbag questions, we will be having one next week. So you can send them in via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. You can email us at LockdownFlyers at Gmail or comment over on YouTube. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Have a great weekend, everybody.